if you have your Bibles or not, Mark chapter 3 is where I'm reading from this morning. Mark uh, chapter 3, and we'll read three verses of Scripture. Father, in the name of Jesus, how grateful we are to be here today. Thankful, O Lord, for your presence. Thank you for your blessings and your favor upon our lives. Thank you for the testimony of grace uh, that, that, Lord, impacts generations. And now we pray as we uh, dive into your word today that you would give us hearts to receive and, and a mind to understand that it would bring forth fruit in our lives to your glory. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Everybody says, Amen. All right. Mark chapter uh, 3, beginning at verse 13, and it says, And he, speaking of Jesus, goes up into a mountain and called unto him whom he would, and they came unto him. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach, and to have power to heal sickness, and to cast out devils. We'll stop right there. That's a pretty good verse of scripture, isn't it? Um, I want to share a message this morning entitled, Connection Matters. Uh, I want to uh, kind of continue to, to, to remind us of what our vision is as a church, that we are called to love God and love people, bring the two together. And, and one of the ways that we do that, the mission that leads us to do this is through connection. Now, all of us know that electricity is something uh, that we need, and many times we take for granted until it's gone. How many of you lost electricity in this last uh, uh, storm, weather? Some of you did, right? Uh, how, many, how many remember Doratio? Did you lose? How many of you lost power for a long time uh, during? Yeah. Uh, well, it's so funny. I think I mentioned uh, during uh, when Doratio hit. Uh, if you remember, before it hit, it had, we'd had a really long dry spell, right? And so I was out in the front yard watering the lawn. I mean, the sky was blue, and all of a sudden, I felt this real fast gush of wind, and I looked around, and there was a cloud, like, right here. (laughs) Did y'all see it when it came in? I mean, it was freaky. Uh, But we lost power for, like, 20 minutes, you know. So, for that 20 minutes, though, it was hell on earth, I'm telling you. (laughs) Children running wild, you know, things blowing up. But we we do, we take electricity for granted, we take connection for granted, uh, how many of you have had, how many of you have almost lost your salvation over sudden link? Come on now. If you work for sudden link, God bless you. But Wi-Fi is like our connection to life, right? You know, if you don't have Wi-Fi, you may as well just go under and live under a rock someplace, right? We got to have connection. Electricity does a lot of things for us. It gives us, you know, it gives us power so that we can have lights. It gives us heating and cooling. It gives us entertainment, right? It allows us to cook food. We can even drive cars with electricity now. And we, you know, we have no fears using it all the time, clicking lights and turning stuff on, and then the bill shows up, and you're like, what is this? I saw a meme the other day. It's like 90% of a dad's job is walking around the house turning off lights. Come on. <laughs> How many dads do that? You're walking around. My, my grandfather used to live across the alley from us down there on the low end of Marmette. Always called our house a lighthouse. We lived right across the alley. We'd leave every light in the house on. But, you know, electricity is not really something that you play with either. I remember uh, when we were down at the Car Wash Cathedral. Some of you may not know the history of the church, but we started in a little building down here that's connected to the, well, right beside the old car wash. We started in one side, and then we expanded to the other side, right? Uh, And so we had church in that little 
little, how many of you ever attended church there at the Car Wash Cathedral? Right. Not a lot of us still left, but praise God, we're still around. Um, I was like 12 years old when we started there, 11, 11, 11 12, 13 years old. And, uh, but it's, it's an old building, and the receptacles weren't in the wall. They came out of the ground on a post. So you had, you had the receptacle just sitting there out, you know, wide open. And dad was preaching one day and I was sitting against close to the wall and I had my, I had my leg crossed. You had the big four going on there. And when I kicked my foot down, I kicked the receptacle. Well, it went, <laughs> shot electricity through me. I fell over on the person sitting beside me. And dad kept preaching. I think he just thought it was a move of the Holy Ghost or something. I can't even remember who was sitting beside. Were you back there, Rick? Rick, mate, I think. But anyway, I kicked. There was a, I, don't, I don't know what. I mean, it was like I, everything went black and I fell over. And I, I wish it was the power of God, but it wasn't. Yeah, but electricity obviously is very important. Have you ever tried to operate something and you're wondering what's wrong with it and come to find out it's not plugged in? You ever done that before? Or you've got a receptacle that won't quite hold it? Gosh, that's so aggravating. Yeah, you plug the toaster in, you push it down. I don't know about you, but I've, uh, I've, I've gotten mad a couple times. You know, so it's, it's, it's dan- electricity can be dangerous. You know, your, your uh, kitchens and your bathrooms are supposed to have GFCI and it's supposed to be grounded and all that stuff, you know. Uh, I remember at the house that we lived in up in Chesapeake on Nancy Avenue, all of the outlets were two-pronged. Isn't that just aggravating? The whole house was two-pronged outlets. So I took them all out and put in three-pronged. Now, were they grounded? No, but they had three prongs. When I went, when I sold the house, I don't even know how the conversation came up, but she was like, so you're telling me that those are three prongs, but they're not grounded? And I'm like, yes. She's like, well, you can't do that. And I'm like, what do you mean I can't do that? I took them out and I put in three prong receptacle. She's like, well, but that's, that's, you're misleading people. They think it's grounded. I was like, well, good for them. It's a living room. I had to put GFCI uh, receptacles through the living room. Who does that? But anyway, but you know, when you have a cord, obviously it has to be connected to something, right? You can, they're called power cords, but they don't have power in themselves, right? That they are only conductors of power. They are routes for power to travel. The cord has to be connected. It has to be plugged into a source. You can buy the most heavy-duty extension cord that can deliver the maximum amps and the maximum wattage and can be covered with weather-resistant sleeving, and it still does nothing if it's not connected. And this is pretty basic reality. Power comes from connection. But the source of our connection is also important. If the wiring is messed up or a breaker has kicked or something has gone haywire with the power grid, plugging something in may give you nothing. There's very little that's more frustrating than uh, something, you know, a, a breaker going, right? You got to go down with your little flashlight and find out what's going on. If you don't have them labeled, you're up there going, which one's that? Which one's that? 
Have you ever done that before? Been yelling? And then instead of writing it after you do it, you just walk away. Till the next time it happens. The source has to be working right. It has to be functioning. There's nothing more frustrating when a source of power is inconsistent. There's nothing more frustrating than when you have, you know, we had an issue with our internet. Listen, I've had Frontier. I've had Suddenlink. And they all hate us. They're all against the Thomas family. I'm just wanting everyone to know. But we had an issue with our internet called, oh yeah, we'll have a guy out there three days from now. Okay. So they came out, worked on it. That evening, internet was smoking. The next day, it didn't work. The next day, there's a devil loose. The next day. So we had to have another guy come out. He went up the pole. The box was open on the pole, and our line was completely disconnected from the box. I'm like, we had power yesterday evening. He's like, somebody must have come this morning, worked on somebody else's line, disconnected yours, and didn't connect it back in. It's like, what's going on around here? Then they gave us... This has nothing to do with Jesus, but then... They gave us a new router... The guy was, because I went to Suddenlink over here and they gave me this router that looks like it had come out, you know, I dug it out from the Flintstones and brought it home. He gave me a new one, then he calls his, his office and they're like, we don't even have them listed as having any equipment. I'm like, I've had internet for two years. <laughs> what do you think, I'm just rubbing rocks together and somehow that's producing internet? There's nothing more frustrating when your source of power is inconsistent. Our connection, the source of our connection, determines what powers our lives. And honestly, this is true in every area of our life. Whether it's business, whether it's spiritual things, whether it's relationships. What, our connections determine what motivates us. It determines who we become. The connections we make in life shape us. And they will determine our successes. They will determine our failures. How we connect and who we connect with will determine our growth. Or it will determine whether we shrink back. And the connections that we make affect the lives of other people. We could be the deciding factor of someone going forward or someone falling back. We could be the deciding factor of someone staying in the fight or deciding to give up. There is never, and this is never more apparent than in our spiritual lives. And so as we continue talking about what God has called us to be and do as a church, which is love God and love people, our mission is how we work to fulfill this vision. And our first component of that is connection. It's one of the most important aspects of a healthy and growing church and an individual spiritual growth. Who you are as a child of God And what God has called you to do is connected to the people that are sitting in these pews. We are connected in a supernatural way through the cross, through the blood of Jesus Christ, peace that has been brought into our hearts. No matter where you go or where you are, you can connect with those who are believers and walk with Christ. You can feel like you fit in because the family of God is everywhere. You know, I'd mentioned before, uh, when I went on my first mission trip, one of the most one of the most awesome things about my first mission trip, which was in Guatemala, um, 
was the fact that when we went to a church service, of course, everything they did was in Spanish. And I don't speak Spanish. You know, I can order off a menu, right? If you want to talk about burritos and enchiladas, then we've got a good conversation going on. Or where the banyo is, right? Uh, uh, but I, I, don't, I don't know Spanish. But there they were singing worship songs in Spanish. And even though I did not understand what they were singing you could still sense the presence of God in the building. And it was such an awesome experience to know that there I stood in another country, thousands of miles away from the big city of Marmette, and there I was standing in a church in Guatemala, worshiping the same God, the same resurrected Jesus who had saved their lives, had also saved my life, and we connected in a supernatural way. That's what the blood of Jesus Christ does. Now, as we look at this passage in Mark, it is the beginning of the ordaining of the disciples and the empowering of them of service while following after Jesus. Now, I like a few phrases in this passage of Scripture. The Bible says that first he went up to a mountain. I think that that also has spiritual significance, that God always wants to take us to a higher place, that God is always pulling us to a higher place. So he goes up to a mountain, and then the Bible says that he called unto them whom he desired. I want you to know here this morning that if your life belongs to Jesus Christ, you were chosen by him, you are desired by him, you are loved by him, he wants you, he wants you to know him, he wants you to experience him, you are special and beautiful in the eyes of God. I don't want anybody in here to think that you're an outsider or you're secondhand or you're a stepchild or you're, you're left out or you're whatever. You are a child of God bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. And he's chosen you because he desired you. In all your dirt and all your failures and all your mistakes, he desired you. But to me, the most interesting phrase in this passage is that he called them to himself and the first purpose is that they may be with him. That they may be with him. Now, I'll be honest with you. My focus when I read this passage of Scripture is always to skip to the authority part of it. The Bible says there that Jesus gave the disciples authority to heal sicknesses and cast out devils. Man, that sounds like a pretty good resume, doesn't it? As a, as, a, as a child of God, that we've been given authority for folks to be healed, authority for us to drive out demons. And that can be exciting, right? As, as a Christian, you're like, because people get all, you know, weird when it comes to supernatural stuff, you know. There's always questions about supernatural things. And some of you have seen angels or seen demons. Of course, some of you were drunk when you did, but I'm just saying... Some of, you, some of you have seen demons, and it was just a cat or a raccoon. But I do know that demons exist, angels exist, the supernatural realm exists, and that's exciting. As a child of God, Lord, I want to do that. I want to preach. I want to walk in the power of God. I want to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I want to cast out devils. But that's not the first thing Jesus called them to. Jesus didn't even call them first to preach. He called them first to be with him. There's a, whole, there's a whole lot you can preach on in those three words. Because he called them first to be. 
If you've ever heard me preach, if you've been around this church for very long, you'll understand that one of the things that I try to drive home that we all have to remember is that God is more concerned with who we are becoming than he is about what we are doing. If the character of Christ is not being formed in us, then we're missing out on the entire purpose of sanctification and why God has called us. The being is important. Who you are is important. You don't bear fruit if the root hasn't been changed. The being is important. And then the with him. Man, what a powerful phrase. That Jesus has called us to be with him. Not just around him. Not just to see him. Not just to hear about him. But to be with him. In everything that we do. Let us always remember that our connection or disconnection to Christ is the most important thing about us. Jesus called the ones whom he desired unto him that first and foremost they should be with him. That they should fellowship with him. Learn from him. Become like him. Know him. As Sharon testified. This is our sanctification. This is our character shaping encounter with Jesus. That he has called us to know him. To know who he is, to know his voice, to know his heart, to be shaped by who he is, to be shaped by his purpose and plan for our lives, to be shaped by his conviction, to be shaped by repentance, to be shaped by following after him and fellowshipping with him. This is the most important thing in our lives. So when we talk about connection matters, we're talking about this connection to God is the most important thing about our lives. And it's easy for us in life to get disconnected from the Lord and honestly not even realize it. It's easy for us sometimes to disconnect from the things of God and not recognize how it's affecting our lives. Hebrews says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? When we live a neglectful spiritual life, It leads to us destroying who we are as the people of God. But there is a purpose for this connection. There is a natural product or byproduct of this relationship. And that is the next phrase. He might send them out. He called them to be with him that he might send them out. It starts with our connection to God. It starts with us to go out. To preach, to heal sick, to cast out demons, to be the carriers of the message and to experience and walk in the supernatural. Folks, I still believe in a supernatural working God. I still believe in a healing Jesus. I still believe that miracles happen. I still believe that God still changes lives. I believe that the word of God is true. Their deep connection to Jesus is what truly qualified them to then connect with those who were around them. If you remember their testimony in the book of Acts, was not Dr. Peter and Dr. John went to church. It was, these are unlearned and ignorant men. But we've taken notice that they've been, they've been with Jesus. They've been with the one who has impacted their lives. As Robert was testifying, they were impacted by their spiritual father, by their leader in Jesus Christ. And because of that, it had shaped who they had become. So their going was a result 
of their being. Their going was a result of their being. Because they had been with Jesus, they may not have been educated. And don't get me wrong, I'm all for education. I'm I'm all for, you know, filling yourself with knowledge. God is for knowledge. God is not an anti-knowledge person. He wants you to know. He wants you to fill your head with knowledge. He wants you to fill your heart with knowledge. He wants you to know. But all of the knowledge in the world is not going to bring people to the cross. All of the knowledge in the world is not going to see the supernatural power of God manifested in our lives. It's only if we've been with Jesus. So Peter and John, they weren't educated. They weren't, they weren't Pharisees. They weren't Sadducees. They weren't scholars. They weren't scribes. They were fishermen who had been with Jesus. I mean, even when Jesus first showed up, they were all like, who is this guy? He's a carpenter's son. He doesn't have the lineage. He's not a Pharisee. He's not a Sadducee. He's not a scholar. He was a rabbi, but he's not part of the ruling religious class. Who is this guy? His testimony was one that his birth was suspect. He doesn't even know who his dad is. Who is this guy and what authority does he have? But the people recognized this man speaks like no other man we have ever heard speak. Why? Because of his connection to the Father. Jesus testified, everything I say, I say because I heard the Father say it. Everything I do, I do because the Father told me to do it. Jesus was saying, the reason why I have this authority is because of my connection. When we connect to Jesus, when we deal with the bee, then he, de- he deals with the go. And it's what qualifies us to connect. And from this relationship with Jesus, we are called to build relationships with others. Our connection to God means two things here. First of all, we connect to God through the power of the Word of God. We connect to God through His Word. Now, yes, we connect to God through prayer. We connect to God through worship. We connect to God through all these ways. But we found our lives upon the truth of what we find in God's Word. God's Word is what shapes us and molds us and shows us who we are as the people of God. And it's the Word of God that will not return unto Him void, but will accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. My opinion does very little for you. Except maybe make you mad, or maybe you amen, or maybe you might chuckle, or maybe you might think that was stupid. But an opinion is an opinion, right? But the Word of God is what shapes who we are. It's how it shapes how we're walking. Folks, when it comes down to it, we can't define ourselves as Christians if our lives is not founded upon the truth of God's Word. I get frustrated when I see a lot of Christians, Christians, who, who debate things, and they're debating from their opinion. They're debating from their thoughts. Well, I know what the Bible says. But surely this is what it means. Anytime we start straying away from what Scripture says, we are redefining what it means to be a Christian. Christianity can't be whatever you just want it to be. Right? You can't... You can't religion doesn't just become a religion by the way you define it. Well, this is my Christianity. Okay. But you'll be judged by this one. So 
So we have to recognize that our lives have to be founded. This is where the power is. This is what people need to hear. The people need to hear the message of the gospel. They don't need to hear you argue about politics. They don't need to hear you talk about all of your thoughts and ideas. They need to hear the gospel. Jesus saves lives. Jesus saves lives. President Trump doesn't save lives. President Biden doesn't save lives. Jesus saves lives. And so we have to found our lives upon the word of God, found our families, our relationships, our obedience upon the word of God. And people are going to tell you it's antiquated, it's outdated, you're behind the times, you're on the wrong side of history, you're narrow-minded, you're bigoted, you're this, that, and the other thing because you might believe that the Bible actually declares that something is sin. Or that the Bible declares that there's only one way to salvation. Or the Bible declares that God is concerned with holiness and God is concerned with sanctification and God is concerned with our obedience. And I understand that you're going to have some disagreements between churches, you know. Somebody says, emphasizes grace. This person emphasizes sanctification. These people emphasize the Holy Spirit. And we'll have these little fights, right? You can only read from the King James. You can only read from the my version. So we have, we have these issues, but we understand that when we found our lives on the word of God, see, the world's going to change. Opinions are going to change. Different people are going to be elected. There's going to be a different party in the house, a different party in the Senate. There's going to be, but the word, the word of God stands forever. We have to be connected to the word of God. And our connection to God means that we are connected to the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are some of us in here that if the Holy Spirit walked down the middle of the aisle with a raspberry beret on his head, we wouldn't recognize him. We understand. Some of you are humming the song. Did you start humming that? I thought. Um, Sinners. Um, When we start talking about the Holy Spirit or we start talking about the work of of God's Spirit in our lives, many times we start getting spooky. We start getting a little bit uncomfortable. Oh, no, he might say something about tongues. (laughs) Well, have you read the Bible? Have you read the Bible? It says something about tongues, too. I don't know if you knew that or not. Maybe we skip over 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 18. And maybe we skip over all these passages of Scripture. Maybe we skip over the fact that God has called us to be filled with the Spirit of God. That there is a baptism of power that is found by our connection to the Spirit of God in which the gifts of the Spirit can be in operation in our lives. I still believe that God is the same God and that he still works in supernatural ways through people who will surrender their lives to the power of the Holy Spirit. Why connection matters. Some of my favorite things about Old Testament characters like Joseph and Daniel especially, the Bible says that when people looked at them, they recognized that there was something different about them because the Spirit of God rested upon them. You know, in the book of Esther, you know the story, the story of Esther. She's a queen. She's, she's married to Artaxerxes. And 
She is a Jew. He doesn't know she's a Jew. Haman hates the Jewish people because he hates Mordecai, who happens to be uh, Esther's uncle, cousin. Not sure there, but we know they're related. And so Haman sets out to destroy the Jewish people. Builds a gallows. He's going to hang Mordecai on those gallows. You know the story. Esther stands before King Artaxerxes. And, of course, Mordecai tells her, you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. It's such a powerful passage of Scripture. And then Esther says, tell all the people to pray for me, because tomorrow I'm going to go before the king. And if I die, I die. Man, that's a powerful woman of God. And so she stands before, before King Artaxerxes, saves the Jewish people's lives, and then Haman gets hanged on his own gallows, right? But what I think is so amazing about that story, the reason why Haman got Artaxerxes to even to agree that the Jews needed to be slaughtered is simply because they were different. He said they're different. They follow a different book. They have different beliefs. Oh, that we would live a life under the power of the Holy Spirit that when people look at us, they say, this group is different. They're not weak-kneed. We're not cowards. We don't bow. We don't, we don't have, we're not spineless. We stand because we have connected to the Word of God and we've connected to the power of the Holy Spirit. And from this connection to God, we will desire to connect with other people. And this is the connection that matters. Our connection to God and other people. And how do we connect to other people? We connect through the love of God and we connect through the grace of God. We love people and we extend grace. You are an extension cord. You are an extender of the power of God. You are an extender of the grace of God. You are an extender of God's love. This is such an important spiritual concept that it is literally a sign of where we truly are in our spiritual lives. If we have connected to the Lord, if we have connected to God, then it will be shown in how we connect to other people through love and grace. This is such an important concept in the Word of God that the Bible literally marks this as a true believer of Christ. We can say that we are a follower, but if we have no desire to connect through love and grace, then there's a disconnect in our relationship with God. There's nothing more destructive and life-sucking than to live only for ourselves. There is nothing that will kill us spiritually more than to neglect our connection with God, to put off prayer, to put off Bible reading, to disconnect from worship and devotion to Jesus. But there is nothing that will cause our spiritual lives to shrivel up more than to not give ourselves through connecting to other people. We are called, the Bible says, to literally outdo one another when it comes to honoring one another. That God has literally called me to outdo you in showing you honor. Good job. No, good job. No, good job. No, you did a better job. No, you did the best job. I'm going to outdo you when it comes to honoring you. Unfortunately, it normally goes the other way, right? We try to outdo each other on how much we do. Right? I quoted a skillet song, those of you who are deep into Christian music. I quoted a skillet song the other day. It says, I am crucified with Christ, but how come I'm not dead? God gave me a cross, but I made my own instead. Like what we, we, want, we want to show everybody our religious, look at my religious deeds. Look at what I have done. Look at who I've become. The song also says, talks about, you know, you, you, you taking these, you, it says you take these, 
these uh, nails, but God bless you, brother, my nails are bigger than yours. And lots of times that's what we try to do. Instead of outdoing each other in honor, we want to lift ourselves up. But our connection to God always causes us desire to lift others up, to put others first. This lack of desire to sacrifice is always an indication that there's something wrong in our spiritual lives. Let us not forget that we do not live a life just unto ourselves. Our connection to God is not only of utmost importance to our lives, but it affects those around us. That's been kind of the theme of the beginning of this service as we, t- as we sing, the Lord bless you and keep you to your family, to their children, to their children, to their children. You have to recognize that the faith that you live is affecting your children and their children. You may act like that what you do in secret that they don't see doesn't affect who they are becoming. But what you do in secret that's forming who you are, which then impacts those who follow after you. But it also impacts those who are sitting in this pew with you and those who should be in this sanctuary with you. We are called to be the body of Christ. So how we connect to God is going to affect those within the body. It's going to affect the atmosphere of this church. You may not know it, but your attitude and your obedience or disobedience, your love, your grace affects the atmosphere of the sanctuary. Some of you may think, I just want to sit on my pew. I want to mind my own business. I want you to shut your mouth. I want to do my religious thing and I want to go home. I'm already mad. Somebody was in my seat when I got here. I saw so-and-so back there with their hands lifted, and I know what they did yesterday. I've seen them. Did you hear? I'm I'm grateful. There's a lot. Honestly... (laughs) Being a pastor sometimes, you know, it's, it's a great, it's, it's a wonderful thing. And I, but I do understand sometimes there are people that don't want to talk to the pastor because I don't want to tell the pastor because the pastor might look at me or it might come up in a sermon. Have you ever been afraid of that? Have you ever been afraid? Well, if I tell him, it'll be point one next week, right? <clears throat> and I'll be honest with you. There have been times I've been preparing sermons and I'm typing stuff up. I'm like, oh, that's good. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, man, somebody might think I'm talking to them. There's been times I've taken stuff out of sermons because I'm like, well, I don't want Carrie to think I was talking about her. It's almost like the Holy Spirit's like, it's a good point. Would you just say it? So if I say something and you think it's for you, it was. But don't think that you're so special that I'm sitting at home thinking, let's see, what could I say for David? But I'm grateful, you know, there's sometimes that I don't hear things. But being in youth ministry, those of you who've been in youth ministry, you've heard everything. There's nothing that shocks me anymore. So if you want to tell me something, tell me. And I promise you it won't be spread around. It won't go anywhere. It'll die with me. I promise you that. So if you need to talk to me, talk to me, all right? Because I've heard it all. If you've been in youth ministry, you've had to almost hold back gasps. (laughs) Can I talk to you? Yeah, sure. This is what happened. Let's pray. (laughs) The only thing that's going through your mind is, I got to call parents. I got to call the police. I've got to call. 
So <laughs> we, you were one of them. <clears throat> there were many times that Ryan would get in the car when we were growing up, when he was in youth ministry. Ryan would get in the car. We'd be driving down the road. Hadn't been in the car for five minutes. And Ryan would be like, all right, I'm going to tell you. I'm like, I didn't ask. Our relationships shape who we are. They shape how we see the world. And it's easy to see where someone is going by the people they are allowing to influence them. Young people, make no mistake about it. You think that your friendships don't mean anything. They are shaping who you are. And I can tell you where you're going by who you're hanging out with. And here's the thing. Some of us can testify to this. Once you get out of high school, you might know where five of your friends were that you thought were going to be your friends for the rest of your life. Look back over your, your uh, what are they called? Yearbook. Look back over your yearbook. Friends forever. I'll love you forever. We'll be there together forever. And now you don't even remember their last name. Joe something. I don't know. He lived with us for a while. I ain't remember his name. But the fact of the matter is, the relationships you're in right now, they're shaping who you are. There are some of you that used to be on fire with God, for God, and you started hanging out with folks that either aren't, or aren't saved, or are falling away, and now you've lost your desire, your passion, and your hunger. And maybe you've not even recognized it because it's taken place over a period of time. But who you surround yourself with is going to determine where you end up. This is a source of energy to either pursue God or as a source of discouragement. Relationships can be those really high-tech, top-dollar, fancy extension cords that don't do anything but trip you and get in your way because they're not connected to the source. You ever tripped over an extension cord that you should have rolled up a while ago? It's not connected. It's not useful. It's pretty. How many bad relationships have you gotten in, especially you guys, because they were pretty? We need to be those people who are connected to God, connected to the right source, so when folks connect to us, they connect to the love and the grace of God. We need to be those people who look for ways to extend grace, to extend encouragement, to extend forgiveness. Let us be those people who build and don't tear down, who cheers on others and doesn't live in envy and jealousy. We are called to be those who fight for the unity of the body, to fight against strife, gossip, and backbiting. You know the Bible, Peter lists a series of sins in 1 Peter, I'm trying to remember all of them, but I know one of them is murder. That's pretty bad, right? I think, I think one of them is pride, and the other one, okay, this is the list, murder, pride, and busybodies in other people's affairs. Murder and busybodies. Peter's like, they all stink. The Bible says where there is envy and strife, there is confusion and every evil work. We are called to be a help, not a hindrance, as we are all on the path that leads to heaven. I'm on this path with you. You know, and it should be a part of our heart when it comes to connecting with people to check on one another. How are you doing? 
What are you going through? Are you making it? Are you okay? Do you need prayer? Do you need help? Can I love on you? Can I care about you? Can I show you that you matter? LFC wants to love God and love people. And this is the definition of how we connect. We connect to God. We connect to people. We love God. We love people. We connect to God. We connect to people. It is a natural flow of spiritual things. I want this to be the definition of who we are as the people of God. I want this to be the definition of my life. And I fail many times. I fail many times. I get caught up in my own stuff that I forget that I should be concerned about other people's stuff in love and in grace. Sometimes I get so stuck on where I am that I forget to be concerned about where others are. And sometimes I get mad at you and I would just rather not talk to you. But if we're going to connect to God and connect to people, we have to extend grace, we have to extend mercy, we have to extend love. So today I encourage you, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, get filled with the Holy Ghost, connect to God, get the Word of God down inside your life, and then connect to people through love and through grace. Bow your heads with me here this morning. Father, thank you for the power of the Word of God, that it is life-changing. Thank you, Lord, that the Word of God is what opened our eyes to the reality of our need for a Savior. It is the Word of God that has convicted us, that has drawn us to you. And now we ask in the name of Jesus that we would respond to your convicting power. We would respond to your convicting word and be the people of God that you have called us to be. Spirit-filled people who desire to connect to other people through grace and love. May Living Faith Church always be a sanctuary of love and grace. May, May Living Faith Church always be a sanctuary of the power of God and the power of God's word and the power of faith. And may forgiveness always be found here. May hope always be found here. May healing and deliverance always be found here. And may you be glorified above all else in Jesus' name.